0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either, you are listening to Ratchet and Respectable with Demetria L. Lucas. (sighs) We're in Chicago this week. I told you I had a trip coming up. I don't think people realize it was that soon, but it was. I came to Chicago because I wanted to see the Bisa Butler exhibition. She's one of my favorite artists. She makes these amazing quilts. My grandmother, my dad's mom liked to quilt. That was like her thing. I have no clue how to quilt. I can do a basic stitch. That's about it. But her exhibit was leaving on September 6th and I was like, well, I got some downtime. So I came out to Chicago to check it out. It's absolutely gorgeous. Chicago is one of my favorite cities. I don't come here quite enough. I think it's probably been 10 years, nine years since the last time I was here. I came for my birthday one year. Someday I'll tell that story. Um, One of my friends was in town at the same time I was and she left her gun at the hotel. So if the the room was cleaned and the safe, because she did put it in the safe, if the safe was open and a gun was found it would have been an incident, but you know, she did not return to the hotel and nobody questioned me when I did. So it all turned out well, but there's much more to that story. I'll tell it someday. I might actually have her on the podcast, see if she wants to tell it. Cause it's, it's a doozy. But Chicago is one of my favorite cities. Like it's, it's just a beautiful, beautiful city. Like the architecture is gorgeous and the food is amazing. And you know, they, they only have like 90 days of good weather the rest of the year they're pretty cold so they make the most of their summers Um, like last night i went on a nighttime architecture tour i asked the readers on social media like what i should do when i come to chicago and i plan to do the architecture tour i did it last time i was here and i really enjoyed it um and i was it was suggested that go at night like it's so beautiful at night so i was like oh that sounds like a great idea so i did but we were out on lake michigan and um, party boats kept going by us. It was a medium-sized boat. And it was a bunch of black people dressed in all white. And they were blasting too short. And I was like, yo, they are living their best lives right now. And there was like a bunch of boats going by. Big boats, small boats, medium boats. Blasting Kanye. Old Kanye. Because that new album, Donda, still ain't out, y'all. It still ain't out. And my tour was like 8.30 at night. But folks were just out on the water Living drinking, smoking. I smelled a little reefer as the boats went by. But folks are having a good time. I really like this city. I've debated a couple times moving to Chicago. The only reason I won't, I mean, other than the crime, but I also debate moving to Atlanta and Atlanta is also like a crime capital right now. It gets too goddamn cold. Ain't enough fur in the world to stay warm in Chicago cold. And I'm not trying to stay inside for like four months out the year. If Chicago didn't get so cold, I would move here in a heartbeat. It's so nice. I went out to um Hyde Park, South Side Chicago. A bunch of people gave me this recommendation for uh, virtue. It's a black owned restaurant in Hyde Park. And they were specifically like Hyde Park fifty third Street. Don't go to no other streets. Hyde Park fifty third Street. Other places, you got to be from the city. And I was like, fine. So i went out to hyde park 53rd street but you know just going by on the train like beautiful beautiful homes they're not brownstones they look similar beautiful architecture chicago is not as expensive as new york or la i don't think they're cheap like atlanta prices but they're not as expensive as some of the other major cities but i was like oh i could do Hyde park just from the little bit that i saw i could totally do Hyde park it has great vibes When I was walking back to the train station, and I keep referring to the trains because I had no intention of taking public transportation while I was here because, why? Um, I was just going to Uber around. Plus, I don't know the train system. But I got in on Sunday afternoon, and I got settled in and was ready to head out to the museum. So I went to pull up an Uber because the museum is like 15 minutes away. And they were talking about $47 to to take an Uber for 15 minutes. It's not even two miles away where I was going. Are you serious right now? So I like waited for a minute because I was like, oh, you know, it's surging. Like, let it go back to normal. See what happens. And mind you, I flew into O'Hare, which is 45 minutes away from downtown Chicago, where I'm staying. And it was $45 for a 45 minute ride from the airport to my hotel. No problem. $45 to go two miles for 15 minutes. Get the fuck out of here. So I looked up how to take the train. I took the red line right to where I needed to be and was there in 20 minutes. I was like, stop playing with me, Chicago. And the same thing. I was trying to go from the Art Institute to Hyde Park. And it was like $66. And I was like, you are bugging. It was a 20-minute ride. And I was like, absolutely not. So I found, it wasn't the subway. It was another kind of train. It was like a commuter train. But I looked that up and figured out how to do it. And was there, again, in like 25 minutes. The train came right when I got to the station. It's like a literally like a three-minute walk to the restaurant from the train. So I was like, whoop. So that's how I got to Hyde Park and back from Hyde Park to make my architecture tour. Not a great day. It was another ten day, and I didn't do anything like really exceptional. I went to a museum, got something to eat, and then took a boat ride for forty dollars. And then I walked back to my hotel up Michigan Avenue, and it was just great, like just looking in the shop windows. And this morning I got up and walked four miles. I don't remember the name of the park that I went to. So I'm staying in downtown Chicago and I walked over to Lake Shore Drive and I walked down to by where the W is. If you're from Chicago, you know what I'm talking about. There's a beach across the street and then behind that beach, there's a park. I do not remember the name of the park, but I know the park because in Soul Food, Vivica Fox and mod, because Vivica played in mod's mother, mod was the little boy, but Vivica Fox and mod, it was cold outside, they had on coats, and they walked through the park, and I thought that was so beautiful, and so when I was walking today, like, I saw this park in the distance, right on the waterfront, and so I was like, oh, that looks pretty, so let me just, you know, walk over there, because I was trying to get, like, a good four miles in. So I could eat this deep dish pizza later and like not gain weight. I'm not trying to lose weight on vacation. I'm just trying not to gain. So I'm trying to burn calories in the morning so I can eat freely for the rest of the day. But I was walking through the park and I was like, wait a minute. I haven't been here before, but I feel like I have because, you know, I watch soul food. I didn't realize until today that Chicago... It has a lot of iconic imagery like sometimes when i was in new york i'd be walking around and i'd be like oh i feel like i'm in a sitcom of xyz because i would look up and i would see like the exact shot that was like in a movie or something especially when i was in brooklyn like walking around brooklyn i would often feel like i feel like i'm in a spike lee movie that's how i felt about chicago today like i do it intentionally sometimes like i'm going to see the fountain tomorrow buckingham fountain i think wholly and totally specifically because it was in Love Jones and I saw the fountain last time I was here too like I made a whole point of like I have to see the fountain totally because of Nia and Lorenz also I ate pizza today and I, it was a very touristy pizza because apparently Chicago is known for deep dish and then like when I was asking people like oh where should I get pizza deep dish pizza and most of the Chicago people were like we don't eat that shit we eat flat pizza and we eat it in squares we don't eat deep dish pizza maybe white people do not not the blacks of Chicago and I was like oh I was sitting on a patio eating pizza at this restaurant next to my hotel and I just felt I felt like Josie and Love Jones I had my boobs up and out and my hair is big and I was like oh I feel like I feel like Josie it was a good moment I really like Chicago if you can hear it in my voice like I really like Chicago it's just too damn cold just ain't enough fur but I would like to come back in the summer. I found out today, like one of my friends is living here quietly. Like she saw me posting from Chicago and she was like, Hey girl, you know, I'm here. And I was like, Oh, what are you in town for? And she was like, no, I moved. What? I met her in New York and then she moved to LA. But the time I've known her, like I met her in New York and then she moved to New Orleans and then she moved to LA and then she moved to Atlanta and now she's in Chicago. And I was like, you know, is Chicago it? And she was like, I don't know. She was like, I moved here. In March, which I was like, you moved to Chicago in the winter? And she was like, I did. She was like, let's see what happens in November when winter really hits, like I'll make my decision then. And I was like, all right, I feel you. Sis believes in being happy. If she is not happy, she will go find some happiness. She actually said the Chicago dating scene was very nice, which I was like, I've never heard a woman in any city, in any country, because I travel. I've never heard a woman be like, oh, the dating scene here is really good. And she was like, no, it's great. And She was like, I meet guys. And she was like, it's guaranteed. Like, if I meet you on like a Tuesday and we exchange like numbers, information, he's going to call me the next day and we're going to be on a date that week. And I was like, really? And she was like, yeah, she was like Chicago men, they have good follow through. But she said she met a really nice guy, like right after she got here. And um, they've been kicking it. He's good energy. And I was like, "Huh, Chicago, you say, maybe I can find some fur. I still ain't moving to Chicago. I don't care how nice the men are. Anyway, we have such terrible news this week. Um, there was another earthquake in Haiti. I think it was, I think this one was a 7.0. This current earthquake is um, more impactful. I keep reading reports where they, they talk about the, the earthquake was more shallow. So I guess more devastating than the one that most people remember from 2010, which was I don't know if there's another word devastating. The first time I went to Haiti was in two thousand eleven and I think it was just about a year after the earthquake i think that I think that first earthquake happened in November or December, but I went in the middle of December, maybe like a week and a half before christmas, and there were still tent cities everywhere there was still um Buildings that had crumbled, the rocks of concrete were still in the street. The presidential palace was still in ruins, tent cities by the airport, tent cities by the palace. And I was in Port-au-Prince at the time. Many parts of the city were in really, really, really bad shape. It was It was very hard to to see and obviously much harder to live. I don't feel like this current earthquake is getting the same amount of attention maybe because there's just been so much devastation in haiti and people are like oh again like haiti like something else happened in haiti like last month maybe six weeks ago the president was assassinated and then now you got an earthquake on top of this there's always a hurricane or a storm there's always something like just devastating happening in Haiti. I mean, part of it is just like location. Like it's it exists on a fault line or right next to one. So those earthquakes are just extra damaging. And then like they've had bad politics and you know, a lot of corrupt leaders. And then there's, you know, that whole messy history with France where they're still to this day indebted to France basically cuz the black folks rose up and kicked the French out, but France is still charging them. The Haiti's just had like a hard go. And this latest earthquake, it's not in Port-au-Prince, which is the capital city. There's not as many, I don't want to say this, monuments or landmarks. That's probably the best way to say it. There's not as many landmarks that that people recognize that are visually damaged to show people, I guess, like the impact. With that earthquake in 2010, I remember the pictures of the palace The I guess the dome, for lack of a better word, had collapsed into the palace and the palace was just in shambles. And just sort of seeing that, I think for a lot of people, that image really resonated as like, you know, how awful it was. In this case, the images that I've seen and the videos I've seen, it looks like what people have seen before. People aren't seeing new images, which I realize is a terribly fucked up concept. I'm just thinking about how people work so i don't feel like people are responding i don't see the same outcry um when i'm scrolling or looking at um news and i like have tons of haitian friends like i mean i feel like they're the only ones i've seen posting oh, haiti's such a beautiful beautiful country i wish people knew more about that side of haiti beautiful country and such an amazing history like when i was there in 2018 i went to see this um This palace, first king of Haiti, king of the north, that was his title. Um, But he built this amazing palace. And it was one of the first um, structures in the Western Hemisphere to have indoor plumbing and flush toilets. I think an earthquake, not the one in 2010, but one before that, actually, I want to say that maybe like the 1800s, actually destroyed it. 'Cause it's just in it's just the ruins of the palace now. But you can see like how big it is, how massive it was. But it was built in like the eighteen teens, if I remember that correctly, eighteen teens, maybe eighteen twenties. But I say that to say like Haiti was building palaces for its leaders. And just, you know, a country away, black folks are still in chains. Like Haiti at one point was, was it referred to as the jewel of the Caribbean, the jewel of, the jewel of something. I don't know if it's the jewel of the Caribbean. It hasn't always been this place that I think like, you know, everybody feels sorry for and sends aid to, which if you ever go to Haiti, it's much more than that. But it didn't always have the reputation that it currently does. As a country, it's just had like a really hard go. I don't even know what to say. Like thoughts and prayers don't really do shit for people who just had their lives destroyed. I don't know. Um, I need to look up some, some reputable organizations that are working in Haiti and and send some funds because the devastation, man, I just, I couldn't even imagine. (sighs) Afghanistan's a shit show. American troops pulled all the way out an initiative that was started under the Trump regime. I refer to it as regime because of all of the connotations that that word implies. And it's being carried out under the Biden administration. And it's a shit show, to, to put it mildly. The images coming out of Kabul, which just fell to the Taliban, I guess, yesterday. The images coming out today are heartbreaking. I saw the video of this giant plane trying to take off at the airport. And thousands of of Afghan people were Holding on to the plane, like a plane that is on the runway and trying to leave in in motion at that. I saw that image of thousands of people just desperate to get out of Afghanistan with with nothing, with the clothes on their backs. That's it. And the first thing I thought watching that video, if this ain't the fall of Saigon all over again. Like I've watched enough Ken Burns documentaries. I watched that 10 part 18 hour Documentary on PBS. You know, I love a good documentary. I love history. I love learning about history. But I was like, "This is the fall of Saigon. I've seen this before. We just have a plane this time. Last time it was a bunch of helicopters." I like. I know history repeating itself when I see it. And I really thought that I had some profound thought. And then, like, I googled like the fall of Saigon, and every major newspaper was writing about how that image looked like the fall of Saigon. And I was like, okay, so I didn't have an original thought. But I had an informed, intelligent thought. That's got to count for something. Just the horrifying imagery. Horrifying what's happening to the people. I found this essay that a woman had written for the Guardian. She's a woman who lives in Cabal. She didn't include her name because she would be killed if they knew she wrote this. Um, but can I read you some of the essay? I'm not going to read you the whole thing, although it's it's worth reading. And again, it's in the Guardian, and the title is an Afghan woman in Kabul. Now I have to burn everything I achieved. She writes quote, early on Sunday morning, I was heading to university for a class when a group of women came running out from the women's dormitory. I asked what had happened. And one of them told me the police were evacuating them because the Taliban had arrived in Kabul and they will beat women who do not have a burqa. We all wanted to go home, but we couldn't use public transport. The drivers would not let us in their cars because they did not want to take responsibility for transporting a woman. Meanwhile, the men standing around were making fun of girls and women, laughing at our terror. Go and put on your chadari, burka. one called out. It is your last days of being out on the streets, said another. I will marry four of you in one day, said a third. With the government offices closed down, my sister ran for miles across town to get home. Quote, I shut down the PC that helps. I quote. I quote. I shut down the PC that helped to serve my people and community for four years with a lot of pain. I left my desk with tearful eyes and said goodbyes to my colleagues. I knew it was the last day of my job. The writer says I have nearly completed two simultaneous degrees from two of the best universities in Afghanistan. I should have graduated in November from the American University of Afghanistan and Kabul University but this morning everything flashed before my eyes. I worked for so many days and nights to become the person I am today. And this morning when I reached home, the very first thing my sisters and I did was hide our IDs, diplomas, and certificates. It was devastating. In Afghanistan, we are not allowed to be known as the people we are. As a woman, I feel like I am the victim of this political war that men started. I feel like I can no longer laugh out loud I can no longer listen to my favorite songs. I can no longer meet my friends in our favorite cafe. I can no longer wear my favorite yellow dress or pink lipstick. And I can no longer go to my job or finish the university degree that I worked for years to achieve. Now it looks like I have to burn everything I achieved in 24 years of my life. Having any ID card or awards from the American University is risky now. Even if we keep them, we are not able to use them. There are no jobs for us in Afghanistan. I did not expect that we would be deprived of all our basic rights and travel back 20 years ago. That after 20 years of fighting for our rights and freedoms, we should be hunting for burqas and hiding our identity. During the last months, as the Taliban took control in the provinces, hundreds of people fled their houses and came to Kabul to save their girls and wives. I could not stop my tears when I heard the stories of some families. One had lost their son in the war and didn't have money to pay for taxi fare to Kabul. So they gave their daughter-in-law away in exchange for transportation. How can the value of a woman be equal to the cost of a journey? Then today, when I heard the Taliban had reached Kabul, I felt I was going to be a slave. They can play with my life any way they want. Jesus. I don't know what the answers are in Afghanistan. I was talking about it on my Facebook page and people who are far more informed than I. One of the guys, one of the guys talking was a veteran and he was like, honestly, like, what what do you want Biden to do? Like he's catching so much black for the troops pulling out, but like he didn't start this war and Americans couldn't stay there and fight forever. And why should Americans stay and fight the Taliban when the Afghan army won't, which Fair, Biden said as much in a speech today. He said, "Quote: American troops cannot and should not be fighting in a war and dying in a war that Afghan forces are not willing to fight." The Taliban entered um, Kabul on Sunday. The president immediately fled. The Afghan National Army, which this piece that I'm reading, I cut and pasted it. I think it's from USA Today. I think notes that the U.S. spent 88 billion to train and equip the Afghan national army and they refused to fight. Again, the president fled. So like I I feel you on like, you know, the GP of it all of like, well they ain't going to fight, so why should we fight for them? And we've been over there for 20 years and this is, you know, this is their issue that they got to deal with. Like we can't do everything for them. I hear you. I get it. But the people, the women especially, the girls especially Those desperate people trying to cling to a plane and leave with the clothes on their backs who are risking their lives, who are literally falling off of a moving plane. That's a level of desperation. Not that I haven't seen it before. I saw it with the fall of Saigon. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the answers are, but I'm just like those poor people. I don't know what to do. Thoughts and prayers ain't going to do shit. I don't know what to do, though. I saw a conversation about how, like, America has to open the borders to Afghan refugees. They're like, it's the least we could do. Which I was like, yeah, did y'all see that study the other day? About how, like, the white population in America is decreasing for the first time in history. It's like, if I know America, like, I know America. They ain't opening the damn borders for no brown people. That's one thing they not going to let the country do. Like, it's browning up already. They are not going to add more brown. Muslim Brown at that. Yeah. I wish they would, but it's not going to happen. I feel terrible. and I don't know what else to to say. I will pray for Afghanistan, just like I will pray for Haiti. I believe prayer changes things, but I also believe, you know, works, (laughs) works, pray and do shit both, but I don't know what to do. I I genuinely don't. If folks listening are aware of of agencies that that are on the ground or being set up on the ground that are helping, like, please let me know. I don't want to just pay lip service and say, oh, look at this terrible thing and then move on to the next story, which literally is what's about to happen. I genuinely do give a fuck and I genuinely do feel awful. And I genuinely do want to do something because this is a mess. I feel so, so bad for those women for for the afghan people that want to get the fuck out and can't and not to say that the trump years as bad as they were they're nowhere near as bad is what's about to happen in afghanistan but just to live through that crazy shit every day for four years took a toll and i don't know if we necessarily recognize like how big a toll it was i was talking to somebody today about like january 6th and like running up in the Capitol. And I was like, you know, it's just a matter of time before there's another huge terrorist attack and on the Capitol, no less, because they know it's vulnerable. The U S is supposed to have like these amazing shows of force. And between Trump and COVID, it just showed how fragile our country is. There was some description somebody made of America and was like, it's a broke nigga with a Gucci belt. And I was like, if that ain't accurate, if that ain't accurate, God bless everybody. Allah bless everybody. I don't know if it's proper to say God bless about Muslims, but may Allah bless you because help is needed from everywhere. (sighs) In good black news this week, Courtney Kemp, she's the creator of Power. She's taking her talents to Netflix, according to an article in Black Enterprise, according to B.E., Kemp signed an eight-figure overall deal and she's set to roll out a new series and other projects as part of a new four-year agreement. Sis is making eight figures over four years. She's doing NBA numbers. Just in case you were wondering, she will continue to executive produce all the shows in the Power Universe, their spinoffs. I heard Raising Kanan was actually really good. I didn't watch Power Book 2 with Tyreek. I was just by the time Power ended, I was just overpowered. Like, I basically hated everyone on the show, including Tyreek. Raina was dead. Tasha was locked up. It became crazy to me toward the end. But I was like, I've invested years of my life into following this story, so I have to see how it ends. I, at the end of the original Power, I was like, I'm tapping out. Oh, I was also pissed at Fiddy. Like, the way he went after Notori and I was just like, you're attacking the star of your show your show doesn't exist without her and you're publicly attacking her for what? Cause she took a bad picture. Really? But I am hearing good things about Raising Canaan. I have not watched it. I don't plan to. I just don't want to get hooked on another TV show. I was actually making a list. I was going to publish another one of my lists of like, you know, what's Demi watching. So I was making a list of like the upcoming shows. There's a lot of really good stuff coming back to TV, including... Many of my favorites. I was like, I'm not taking on any new shows. I'm just going to continue to watch the shows that I already am fully invested in. Like Queen Sugar is coming back shortly. Insecure is coming back. Um, Succession, which, oh, Kendall Roy. Kendall M.F. Roy. I love that show. So I was like, that's what I'm going to be watching. I'm not taking on new shows. The Wu-Tang on Hulu, they're coming back. Something else, Dear White People is coming back. There's a bunch of stuff. But I was like, yeah, I'm just going to watch like the shows I'm already invested in. Thanks. But congratulations to Courtney Kemp. She's very sweet. I should ask her to come on the podcast. Years ago, long before the podcast, I guess I was still blogging at the time. I don't know who I reached out to. Oh, that's right. The stars people were sending me, what is it called? Advanced screeners of power. Just on a whim, I asked one day and I was like, you know what? I recap power every week. I'm like one of the biggest fans of the show. And I would like to interview Courtney for my blog. She was like, yeah, I've seen your recaps on social media. I'll talk to you. No problem. And so we talked for like two hours. Like she was so gracious with her time. And she gave me so much good insight about the show. I feel like she's like cousin Courtney. I think I was calling her cousin Courtney for a while. Let's go back to that. I want her to win at all great things in life. So good for her. Congratulations on her new Netflix deal. Lizzo and Cardi, we talked about rumors, their new single. We talked about it a couple times. Um it came out on Friday. I was underwhelmed. And I like Lizzo, and I like Cardi. I just overall didn't think it was it was a great song. I like the message. It was gimmicky. It's like, "Oh, Cardi's really popular and Lizzo's really popular, so we'll throw them together and we'll do this like, you know, really slick CGI video." Which is what everyone's doing now. And I know that it's cheaper, but it just, it just doesn't work for me. Um, I miss the golden age of videos. All this CGI and green screen. This ain't it, y'all. It's not. And I know because it's a pandemic, you know, it's easier to do and cheaper to do than being on location. I get it. I need folks to go back on location. This all this CGI stuff is just I don't I don't care for it. But I feel like they just do that, like, you've got these two popular people. And so it'll be a hit because it's, you know, these two popular people. And they really didn't put the effort that was necessary into the song. The song is just okay. I love Cardi's verse. She was like, you're lying about me in a language I can't even read. What the fuck does that mean? Like Cardi. And she also looks really great pregnant. She's a really beautiful woman. And I know she's had, like, a lot of work done. But it all comes together. It works for her. I thought the video was just okay too and again love the messaging love the you know representation of plus-size women love the i don't know if that was supposed to be ancient rome or ancient greece Hmm. the first time i watched the video i was just okay about it and then i saw some behind the scenes thing of like lizzo with like 40 feet of braided hair she was like, Oh, it's breaking a Guinness Book of World Records. And it took like all these stylists, all these hours to create these like super long braids. And I was like, I didn't even notice them in the video. For like all this work that y'all put into it, I didn't even notice it. So I went back to watch the video and look for the long, long braid. And that's when I caught like other details. Like Cardi is sitting in this throne that's in the shape of a penis. And then there's like random winged penises. Floating in the air. I was like, is that that a flying penis? Indeed it was. I was watching like the beginning of the video. Lizzo's walking through, I guess, the palace, the columns, whatever she's walking through. And there's cartoons of her twerking or Lizzo in an orgy. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, this is kind of interesting. All right. All right. And then I finally saw the part with like the braids. And the article said that the braids, I want to say, were like 42... Maybe they said 42 inches and I thought they meant 42 feet. No, because 42 inches is only like four feet. And that wouldn't even be Lizzo's height. I don't know how long the braids were. The article I read said 42 feet, but the braids flowing behind Lizzo were definitely not 42 feet. And I was also like, y'all CGI'd everything else. Y'all couldn't just CGI the braids? Cause for all that work, like when Lizzo's walking down the steps, her braids are flowing behind her. It's really not like a crazy visual where you're like, Oh, okay. Like I see all the time that went into that and it makes sense. I didn't even notice it the first time I watched the video. <sighs> oh, well. Lizzo apparently got a lot of criticism for the video. She did an IG live where she broke down in tears. And she said, quote, sometimes I feel like the world just doesn't love me back. It's like it doesn't matter how much positive energy you put into the world. You're still going to have people who have something mean to say about you. I just feel like I'm seeing negativity directed towards me in the most weirdest way. It's fat phobic and it's racist and it's hurtful. She also went on to say that people who didn't like her could suck my pussy from behind Cause y'all motherfuckers going to be the main ones catching up. I feel like she's always crying about something, which I don't really mind. Cause people, honest to God, do not think of people who are popular or celebrities or have any sort of platform or a following. They don't think of them as people anymore. So I actually appreciate that Lizza will get on Instagram and cry and be like, you know, I have feelings and you hurt them. Because maybe it'll help people see her and other people as people again. I'll give her credit. She lets it all hang out. Like the good, the bad, the in-between. Like Lizzo will tell you about some feelings. I also think humans being how humans are, they're not going to stop that shit. And she may just need to stop reading the comments. That's the best thing I ever did for myself. Or anything that's like moderately controversial that I write. And sometimes I like say things that I'm just like, that was controversial to you? Really? It wasn't to me, but like, I don't read the comments. I don't have my Google alerts on. Like I just do what I do, say what I say and y'all can like it or not. And if I do happen to read the comments, I'm not going back and forth with nobody. I will block you in a minute, which people will say crazy shit to me and I'll just block them and erase their comments. And they will go look up my email address and then send me an email about like, I don't know why you blocked me. It's crazy. The People will really be like, you didn't give me a chance to defend myself. Should I have? why i've been a follower of yours since before you were at essence i've been following you for like 15 years oh okay then you should know not to say rude shit to me like i don't know what you want me to say but yeah yeah that's a whole nother topic what else is going on mm. oh raven simone do i care not really next topic actually no i will talk about it she did this interview And originally what I read was Raven Simone was saying that black people didn't like her because of her white wife. And I was like, "Mm." much like Carlton, this is not a discussion that I've ever heard come up. Like, you know, Raven Simone is married to that white woman. Never once. No one cares. There's many reasons that black people don't much care for Raven Simone. But I looked up the article. Because I wanted to talk about what she said. And I was like, you know, and, and like a, a broader story of like black people making up these stories about the black community, not liking them for these like random reasons. Like it's like the new like, I don't know, you say something negative about black women in this part of the marketing plan. I feel like there's a group of people who are saying like black people don't like me. And like that's part of the marketing for their like next project. But I looked up the story, and actually, as it would turn out, Raven Simone didn't say that. She said that while she was dating, they broke up at one point because Raven Simone had got in her head that the black community would be upset with her for marrying a white woman. Which I was like, girl, what? But in the article, her quote is that she realizes that she was in her own head. She says it was a kind of self-inflicted old way of thinking that the black community would be mad that I was dating a white person. And she goes on to say, it was this residual thought process that really wasn't fact. I think I was just carrying burdens that happened in the nineties and eighties that weren't really working for the now. Cause when I thought she was talking about like why black people didn't like her, I was ready to like read her her rights because there's when she was on the view she used to have some commentary about black people that was like girl what so i was like "Mm." but that's not what she said so we're just gonna move along to the next story there's a lot of white people news this week chris cuomo he returned to cnn remember last week i was like "No, chris gotta say something Like, he can't just not say anything. Like, you cover politics. Your brother just resigned as governor. Like, you have to say something. So he did. He was on vacation all last week. He came back today, Monday. What time is it? It's midnight in Chicago. But he said about what I expected him to say. He mostly clarified that there has been no conflict of interest with CNN regarding his brother. He said even when you know, his brother used to come on the show. He was like, I said then that this would be a short-lived situation. He was like, it's always been difficult covering politics and coming from a political family. He emphasized multiple times that the governor is his brother. And he was like, I wasn't speaking to him in the capacity as an advisor. I was a listening ear because he is my brother. He went on to say, I did at one point, you know, communicate with his advisors. And I came on the show and I apologized for that. And he was like, you know, that wasn't the right thing to do. I admitted it. I apologized on air and to my colleagues. Um, And he was like, and I stopped doing it. And he was like, since then, like, yes, I've been in contact with my brother. Yes, I have listened to my brother, but I'm not an advisor to my brother. Like I'm his brother. He did go on to say that in his capacity as a brother and as a listening ear, he was like, I told him to, you know, take accountability be contrite, be transparent, Um, apologize. You made some mistakes. Okay. Like make them right. Then when it got to the end, he was like, I told my brother to resign. He was clearly frustrated, but I thought he handled it well. Like he had to say something. So I'm glad that he did. And I think what he said was apropos. And I hope for Chris's sake that the folks can just move on. He is not responsible for what his brother did. He's not. And sharing a last name with somebody does not make you responsible for their shit. Andrew was the one who was out here grabbing titties and ass on the job. That's that's on Andrew. That's not on Chris. I hope folks can move on, at least from Chris. They're not going to move on from Andrew for a minute. I know he's somewhere being like, thank God for Afghanistan because they got his ass out the news, at least off the front page. And other white people news. Jeopardy picked two white people to replace Alex Trebek. We talked about one of them, Mike Richards. He was the executive producer for Jeopardy. Everybody was upset that he got the job over LeVar Burton. Newsweek, earlier today, they released a story about LeVar Burton's ratings when he was on Jeopardy. And they talked about like his ratings were the lowest of everyone. And basically LeVar Burton was a bomb. You talking about LeVar Burton on Jeopardy that was on at the same time as the Olympics? Who can compete with the Olympics? Y'all knew his ratings were going to fall. Are you serious right now? Nah. So the main host. Is going to be the white dude we talked about before, Mike Richards. And then for the Jeopardy specials, and I don't watch Jeopardy like that. I was going to start. It's going to be um Mayim Balik. Blossom. Remember Blossom? With the big hats, with the flowers on them from the 90s. That was a horrible fashion trend. I don't know how we got there. And seeing as how like all the 90s clothes are back. I was in Zara the other day and I was like, oh my God, this looks like my entire high school wardrobe. All the beige linen, Chinese dresses, which I was like, really? That came back? Folks ain't going to get called out for appropriation on this one. I used to walk around in Chinese dresses with chopsticks in my hair, my hair in a bun with chopsticks in it. Girl, all kinds of low key racism and cultural appropriation. I was like, how did they let this come back? We didn't know then, but we know now. Yikes. But Blossom. So she's going to be like the host for like the guest special stuff for Jeopardy. I was like, if you don't want black people to watch Jeopardy, just say that. Like black people are not tuning in for this shit. It's very unexciting. In Britney news, her father is stepping down as the conservator for her estate. They're looking for a new replacement now which good for her. I remember on our previous episode, we talked about Britney, and I said, you know, it's a sad situation, but I was like, I'm not going to give it too much energy because I was like, you know, she's a wealthy white blonde woman in America. Somebody will come to her rescue. She'll be okay. And a couple people wrote in. They were like, I feel like that was very dismissive. And, you know, Britney's in a horrible situation. And I was like, mm, yeah, okay. A month later, her father stepping down as the conservator. Okay. She figured something out. But Brittany has responded to her father stepping aside by posting topless photos on Instagram with long, long, long ass messages. I was like, girl, even as somebody who writes long ass captions, I was like, this is long. You're doing the most. And in fairness to Brittany, like people post topless on Instagram every fucking day. It's not unseen before. Um, but I was like, you know, just in the middle of a situation where people are questioning your overall stability and your good judgment and your mental health. I was like, you know, maybe posting a bunch of topless photos, which, again, are no indication of, of you know, poor judgment or mental health or anything of the sort. But I was like, you know, folks like to use what they can against you. I was like, maybe this is the time to be strategic and maybe keep your clothes on. I mean, it's Instagram. A lot of people don't. So I was like, maybe, Brittany, get free first and then, you know, do what you feel. Maybe this is not the best time. And they were bad pictures. No, she had on uh, no top, obviously. And then two small white bikini bottoms. They're like two sizes too small. She's not a big woman. It was just an unflattering garment for her shape and not the correct size. And then knee high red boots, which I was like, girl, you out here looking like a porn star. I don't understand the choices, Brittany. I don't understand the choices. They're bad fashion choices. But she also in the caption was like, look, throughout my career, people, they put me in outfits to perform where I was half naked. So, you know, is there a really big difference between what I perform in and what I post on Instagram? Which I was like, well, Brittany, you do make a point. But sis, just get free first. Don't don't give them any ammo to use against you. I want you to, you know, be able to take over your life. Now, do I think that your judgment is, you know, the best? Does it have to be? There's plenty of folks that don't have good judgment who still have control of their lives. She deserves at least that. Because her list of allegations and of things she couldn't do and things she was forced to do, I was like, oh, God, this is horrible. Last but not least, I can't even believe this is a topic that we have to discuss. Lord, have mercy. Celebrities who are not bathing need to clear up a misconception. Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis, they started this whole thing off where they were talking about they don't bathe their kids. Their kids are four and six unless they see dirt on them. And I was like, ugh, kids are filthy. You know how filthy you are to actually see dirt on you? I'm like, God. And then some other celebrities came out. Jake Gyllenhaal, he came out and said, you know, there's really no need to bathe daily. I think he said he just wipes under his arms sometimes. I was like, oh. Little Rock came out. He said he washes his ass. Three times a day. And he sings in the shower. He was like, I'm not like those others. I wash. Dionne Warwick jumped in. Let me find that quote. Because I was like, Dionne Warwick is a good kiki. Key key. She is a moment in time. When Dionne Warwick heard about Britney Spears, she tweeted, quote, It's wonderful so many have supported Britney. I've just heard the news! Exclamation point. Wonderful things can happen when we stand together. But not too close. Because I have just learned that some of you do not bathe. <laughs> shady auntie. Shady auntie. But I saw a story. About Terry Crews. Is in the source. And the headline. Let me see if I can pull it up. I saw the headline and I was, I was ready to light Terry Cruz's ass up. You know I'm no fan. The source's headline Was Terry Crews. Terry Crews says, if you ain't been sweating, you don't need to shower. Which is factual. It is what he said. And he sounds stupid. Because whether you've been sweating or not, you need to wash your ass. It's just, it's, it's, it's good and proper. You need to wash your ass. I'll give passes to people who are not able to wash their own ass. I'll give passes to people who are, are battling depression. What a really um, common symptom of depression is not showering. It's not showering, not bathing, not cleaning. Like you, you ever seen shows like Hoarders? Depression is very often at the root of the hoarding. They have attachment issues. They have depression and they've stopped taking care of themselves and their things. Fine. If you're dealing with a mental health issue and that's the reason that you're not bathing, Treat the disease, not the symptoms. Work on your mental health. Get that in order and it'll bring back the desire to wash your ass. Godspeed and God bless to you. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking about people who are in relatively good health and should have some good sense, but ain't using it. Who ain't washing their ass. What Terry Crews actually said, Crews said, quote, I love to shower. I love to because I spend so much time sweating. And then he clarifies, First of all, if you ain't been sweating, you don't need to shower. Don't listen to that dumbass advice. Wash your ass. Cruise continues, but I spend all day sweating, all the time running and working out, and it ain't nice. My wife is like, "Babe, babe, babe," I miss the old spice. You know what I mean? So I've got to get clean. In context, it's not as bad as the source made it sound. It's still bad. But I'm not going to rake him over the coals for it. But I will reiterate, if you can hear the sound of my voice, wash your ass at least once a day. It's the summer. If you live in a humid climate, you may need to wash more than once. Let's start with one and see where the day takes you. If you think you need a shower, take a shower. By the time you smell yourself, other people have already smelled you. Anybody else's mother tell them that? My mother told me that. By the time you smell it, other people have already smelled you all right that's the episode for today thank you as always for listening we will speak again on friday i think that's everything yeah we're good i'm sure some other wild shit will happen between now and friday because this is america all right talk soon bye